I'm looking at this summary of the Farm Bill, and it has 12 titles. Titles, yeah. And that is just mind-blowing, and we need to let everyone know. It is way bigger than you think it is. It is. So I think Trump realized that, and he said, well, we got to take care of the farmers. Well, the farmers have lost over $14 billion already. (gasps) It's a Band-Aid on a bullet wound is what I've been calling. Yeah. Y'all are going to be blown away again by Title IX, which is energy. Energy, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like everything that runs our country is part of the Farm Bill. We need to truly call it what it is, the Food and Farm Bill. It's not every, everybody farms, food, but everybody's got to eat. Food, health, renewable energy. Yeah. And, and internet. Every, and, and internet, <laughs> yes. September 30th, 2018, it expires. Okay. So when the farm bill goes away, so does the funding for those programs. There's also that looming government shutdown that will take place on September 30th if they don't have that. Call your member of Congress, call your senator, and say, come together in a bipartisan fashion and get this done. Welcome back to Edible Economy. I'm Nate. And I'm Kim. And today we have we have a really cool, really cool conversation. We're going to be talking Farm Bill. Do you know a lot about the Farm Bill, Kim? No. I think it helps farmers that grow commodity crops to not grow crops and just get paid by the government. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully I learn otherwise. <laughs> so we are joined by Nick Lewandowski of the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union. Thanks for joining us today, Nick. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And before we jump right into finding out about all that, we do have to say thank you for tuning in and listening. Uh, subscribe. Tell us what you think. Give us some questions. Who do who do you want to hear about in your edible economy? Whether that's a food scientist, uh, I don't know, a person that works out a lot and wants to eat healthy, owns a gym, or... You know, I, who else? Anybody that you you want to hear from or any questions you have, let us know. Let us know what's out there, what's on your mind, and uh, maybe we'll address that. Maybe we'll bring your name up and say that you asked the question. No, we won't do that. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Without anything further, <laughs> Nick, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. Thanks for having me out here today. Um, so the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union. Yeah, uh, what is that what is organization? What is RMFU? The thing RMFU, that's on my hat right that, now. That's right. You do have on <laughs> one of our cool swag hats. I, uh, I know, right? Trucker hat. Um, <laughs> so besides being known for our awesome swag, uh, yes. the Rocky Mountain Farmers <laughs> Union has been around uh, since 1907. Started okay. here in Colorado, and then we picked up a couple different states over the years. We picked up Wyoming. Uh, at one point, and then now we've also picked up New Mexico. Okay. Uh, probably within the last, oh, 50 or 60 years, they joined us. So we are a three-state organization. Yep. Membership is right around 20,000 members between those three states. That is a ton. Wow. It's a lot of members. So and are those primarily farmers, or is that... Primarily, primarily farmers, and farmers of all types. Okay. Uh, we like to say that we're a big tent organization. And, okay. And you have to be in agriculture these days, because... Uh, not everybody is into cows, sows, and plows. You know, you're not all... You've practiced that. I like that. I've said that a time or two. Cows, sows, and plows. I've said that a time or two, and I I love to drop it when I can. um, Boom. But but there are so many different types of farmers um, and producers. Uh, So we have cattlemen. We have, uh, 
you know, other forms of livestock within our organization. We have members that are growing cannabis, you know, and hemp for CBD oil. And we have uh, uh, farmers in our organization that are CSA producers or, uh, you know, farmers market growers, you know, things like that. Yeah. So we really have to be able to cover all of our bases when it comes to that. And as an organization that's, you know, based on a grassroots membership, everything comes from them. Everything that, that we tough. stand for. It can be. Because it, I, I know that they have a lot of uh, disparate interests, and sometimes those interests clash with one another. And and don't get me wrong. We have had times in our history where we have clashed among each other. Okay. Uh, yes, but that's we, probably good for the organization. It is good. It's healthy. You know, if, if we all just sat on our hands and, and fumed about it, uh, we'd probably have strokes and die. Uh, so, <laughs> or cows, cows, and plows. Yeah, you know. Uh, so you have to have those difficult conversations. You have to bring up uh, the issues that, that might uh, cause people to get up and come to the mic and say, hey, this is why I do what I do, or this is why we need to change this policy. And so that's where the policy side of our organization comes in, and that's what I deal with a lot. It starts on the local or county chapter level. Uh, they talk about things, and they're starting to do that right now during the you know late September, oh, so there's like early October. Chapters mm-hmm. amongst the three states that then yeah. roll up into RMFU. Not every county has a chapter, but many do. Okay. And so it starts there. It mm-hmm. used to be based around the one-room schoolhouses. So okay. you know sure. every every few miles you'd have a one-room yes. schoolhouse, and a farmers' union chapter would meet at the one-room schoolhouse. Okay. So that's when we were really in our heyday. You so know? What, what is that in relation to a Grange, a Grange Hall? Very similar. Okay. Very similar, yeah. Uh, the Grange Halls were owned by the Grange themselves, though. Uh, farmers' Union just utilized existing structures such as the school building, you know, okay. the, the one-room schoolhouse, things like that. As time went on, the schools, you know, consolidated and, and your one-room schools went away and we started to, you know, things changed. But we still keep that county-level chapter um, as viable as we can. And oftentimes we've combined counties when membership gets low. But that's good, too. I mean, it, it, it means that we care to, or they care, basically, on that level to keep it going. So they discuss at their county convention uh, what changes they'd like to see made in the policy manual. Is it an annual thing, the county It's an annual thing, okay. yeah. Yeah, they meet usually this time of year, September, October, uh, because our annual convention is in November every year. Okay. Uh, but they have these, dis- these discussions, decide what they want to move forward to the state policy committee. The state policy committee then uh, looks at those uh, recommendations and decides if they like them, they'll move them on to the full body at convention. If they don't like them, they might make some changes or they might kick them back and say, sorry. They still have an opportunity, though, uh, to take it to the state convention and bring it to the floor. And so the whole body can then decide, you know, do we want to make amendments to this? Of course, you know, have that good, healthy discussion and then uh, vote vote on it in a democratic process. Yeah, that sounds like a super democratic process. Really amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, it's really like... Instead of, you know, so many times people are like, oh, well, you know, the powers that be are just making decisions. But this is coming from the farmers to RMFU who's helping. I I keep a copy of our policy manual with me at all times because I never know when I'm going to get approached about an issue. And that is like our Bible, so to speak. It's what we believe in. So 
I have to have that with me. I have to know that when I when a reporter calls or when I'm doing a podcast or when I'm in D.C. or Denver, Cheyenne, Santa Fe, having a conversation with a legislator, I can open that book up and I can say, all right, here's where our members are on this. And it's there in black and white. It's not a top-down thing. You know, yes, we have a state president, we have an executive director, we have board members, you know, and all that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come from them. It comes from the people who make up that membership. So those 20,000 or so um, who, who choose to be involved in that process, they're the ones that really bring it forward and then move it along. So after people listen to this podcast, can they just like go and look up where the local chapter is and just go to a meeting if they, they're interested? They can, yeah. Even if they they're can, not a farmer, just... They can go to our website, which is rmfu.org. Okay. Um, and there should be a list there that shows the the counties and, and, uh, and the chapters. Um, if not, they can certainly contact us and say, hey, you know, I live here uh, in this county or this community. Is there a chapter uh, available to me? If there's not, we'll be glad to work with them to start one. I think that's, you know, that oh, has to cool be too. understood. Yeah. You know, we have membership uh, directors and coordinators who uh, really focus on that, on building uh, the organization from the ground up. So uh, we're always happy to get that, that going if we can. And those meetings that Kim was just talking about, those are open to the public as well? They are. Okay. They are. Yeah, we're not a secret organization okay. by any means. Used <laughs> to secret be, handshake to get in? Yeah, it used to be 100 no years ago. No cattle brand yeah. on the hand. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> take you out in the middle of a corn maze in the night and turn you loose no um, no you uh, can find your way back in 20 minutes we'll hear your that's issues. right no they used to be they used to be a very fraternal secret organization uh but then as time went on uh they realized that that wouldn't do them any favors they was that to back raise. when unions were not as not as well respected or or membership in a union was not not I, smiled upon i don't know it, you know it, it would have been about a hundred years ago right. so if it if it ties into that probably yeah but okay but i think a lot of it was also just the fact that it was um there was just it was so steeped in tradition and that's how oh, okay. it started it was a private organization very very secretive i'm sure it was like the masons of yeah Farm very much yeah. so yeah. you know <laughs> uh, the knights yeah. of columbus <laughs> the could be yeah. considered you know uh, but then as time went on, they realized, hey, we, we need to branch out. We need to you know, open up our membership to uh, women. We need to open up our membership to minorities. And they did so. And, and that's why I believe we're known as one of the most progressive ag organizations in the country, because we took those steps uh, way sooner than, than many other groups did. So, so 20,000 is a, that's a Big, big number. Where it's, does that compare with other ag organizations in the United States? So it's, you know, I think it's pretty comparable. Um, you know, the Farm Bureau uh, has a lot of members as well. They claim a lot of their members under insurance, though. Uh, so that's that's the difference there, because if you have their insurance, you're also a member okay. of the organization. We are not uh, that way. We, we have memberships based solely on the fact that people are paying their dues okay. uh, to the organization. So I, I don't know. I'd have to really look to see how, how we compare. But you have to remember, we are three states. Now, the majority of our membership is right here in Colorado. Uh, we have a, you know, quite a few in Wyoming and just a handful in New Mexico. Well, this is the biggest of those states as well. As far as population, right. yes. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, but, you know, we are always looking at ways to expand on that. Um, we're, we're getting ready to take um, 
our insurance product, which uh, we actually, Rocky Mountain Farmers Union owns an insurance agency. Okay. Uh, that helps to fund a lot of the work that we do uh, called FUSA, Farmers Union Service Association. And which I think is awesome too. Yeah, yeah, it is because it, it provides a service uh, to our members uh, that not many other ag organizations can do. Um, so we have that and we're getting ready to launch that product in, in New Mexico. So hopefully we'll be able to provide them that service and then maybe pick up some members. And what is there. that? Uh, what, what, what insurance, insurance products do you guys have? Mainly crop insurance for farmers. You know, okay. that's, that's the number one thing, but then we also provide uh, home and farm and auto and life and health and, I think we have 60 different carriers that we can, you know, reach out to. to and liability great. as well? Liability insurance. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just about anything you can think of. Uh, just the other day, we were at a meeting in Casper, Wyoming, and they were talking about uh, limousines. And, you know, like if you had a side hustle, you know, if you had, yeah. had a, <laughs> like had a limousine yeah. business. And, you know, I don't know many farmers that do, but, hey, if you're not making any money farming, you got to do something. You so to. You uh, know, it's one of the things that I'm advocating. I think for small, small farmers, yeah. I, I've been saying that I think you have to do something besides just growing crops. And unfortunately, that's, that's what it's come to, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately... Uh, like if you're a, a married couple or, or not not married, just a couple, uh, somebody's got to work in town at a job that has benefits. And yeah. that's what I was going to say. Health yeah. insurance is yeah. huge. But you said you offer that. There is a, yeah, um, we do have health insurance. Which um, is great. So, you know, those are things that, it's a service. It's Through it's, membership. It's a product, yeah. And, you know, you can, you can come to us and if you're a member, you get a discount. Um, we can offer discounts, especially to farm policies, but then okay. also on other policies as well. So it's worth taking a look at. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, for the things that we do out at Bromley Farm, um, not on the farming side, well, kind of on the farming side, that, that's the problem is, is it's hard to define. But insurance was one of our toughest hurdles to overcome. Yeah. Um, and we did. just to get it just mm-hmm. just to get it I, I mean some of these policies oh you're, you're gonna have a pumpkin patch mm-hmm. that's great yeah we insure that's ten thousand dollars a year right well, wait that's for nine days yeah so <laughs> yeah it's over a thousand dollars a day to insure this right. um, and you feel bad charging that kind of money for kids that are coming out to get pumpkins yeah because right. yeah, you've got to recoup that exactly you have to. and so but I think <clears throat> a lot of it is they didn't understand exactly mm-hmm. what what we're doing, well, and they right. think people are walking out there. We weren't going to hand out knives. Well, that's what they thought. People are walking out with machetes, <laughs> right? And they're going to be swinging these with children oh, present. Just put your hand right there. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. Watch this. Yeah, you know, fall picture, family oh, yeah. picture. <laughs> exactly. Why is Junior's face grimacing? <laughs> kind of a children of the corn type thing. Yeah, you know? sure. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I think we've strayed a bit. I almost spit water out yeah. all over. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, that's that's really that's good to know. Yeah, um, yeah for, for our future, yeah. we'll be talking Definitely. to you guys about insurance. Well, and, and that's something that I think, you know, I, I hope other people will take into consideration because yeah. not... Not every organization can offer the services that, that we do. And and I like to think of that as a as a big picture. One of our old logos was a triangle with a plow, a rake, and a hoe in it, which are, of course, we all know, uh, tools and instruments used by 
farmers years ago and many farmers still use them today but Mm -hmm. the triangle has significant meaning one side of it is for legislation which of course i deal with and we talked about the policy side of things the other side is cooperation so uh, another big uh, part of our history and what we do as an organization is we we help to build cooperatives we start co-ops and we help to keep them economically viable we have one of the largest cooperative development centers in the in the West, uh, located in our office. It's through our foundation in downtown uh, Denver. In De- in the tech center. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so to tech center. Yeah. Okay. So we have that. We work on co-ops and have done that for some time. And then finally, the base of the triangle, which you know I like to think is the strongest part of the triangle, is education, mm-hmm. and and that's really what we're you know that is who we are and what we're based on educating our members, educating the public, um, and and ensuring that people have the information that they need to be able to make sound decisions. So uh, that's that's really what we're based on, is, is those three major Education, points. cooperation, and legislation. Yeah. I yeah. like it. Mm-hmm. That's really... that's And is that, has that been... That's basically know, been... Since the beginning? Since the beginning, yeah. Um, originally, I believe they also had the term organization because they had to organize people to get them into the oh, farmers' okay. union. Sure. So you have I to, think I read that in a yeah. black and white publication that Probably. came out for a, for a big anniversary that you guys Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because, you know, back in the day, you had to... We had organizers all over the country who would go out and they'd get people rallied up and, and uh, they'd have these big meetings and they'd sign them up as members. And... So that's that's how we were able to build up to be, you know, a, a large national farm organization. Nice. So speaking of organization and legislation mm-hmm. and all over the country, you've recently been traveling as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Just got back the other Where'd day from the nation's <laughs> capital. So I was oh, out, nice. out in D.C. Uh, every year we do a fall fly-in, a legislative fly-in to D.C. And uh, so farmers union states from all over the country bring their members out there and it can be small states you know just a handful of people or large states like ours where we we took 40 people wow uh, north dakota wow, took, took 40 people yeah. with you in north yeah. dakota north dakota took 100 people what? so you there know, wasn't many people left when they not too many people <laughs> left right you know i i hope somebody rolled up the sidewalks and turned off the light you know? um, i'm from kentucky and when the uh, small schools would make it into the basketball tournament right uh the, sweet the whole 16, town went the whole town went and sometimes they would send some national guard troops down to protect the downtown area because Everyone was gone. Well, yeah, because then you'd have looting, wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know that they had to worry about that for for the North Dakota. No, I don't think they did. But no, we did. But I love the side stories. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, There were 350 of us from all over the country. The largest fly-in that we've had in in recent history so okay we all came together uh flew out there last week and then um wednesday morning we uh made our way over to usda and uh had a meeting there that morning the secretary came and spoke Uh, a number of undersecretaries were there as well so that was a good opportunity for a lot of our members to hear from them from the administration officials and then uh for some of them anyway there was some question and answer time Pretty limited on that. Uh, But then we made our way over to the Capitol, actually to one of the Senate office buildings, and had a congressional member briefing. Uh, Because as we'll get to soon, 
the farm bill is still being negotiated between the, the conferees and their staff. So we didn't get a chance to hear from those staffers who are literally the ones that are doing the heavy work on the farm bill. That are writing it, yeah, essentially. Right? Yeah, yeah, essentially they're doing a lot of that negotiating and writing. Uh, but we did have some key members of the Senate and the House come and, and address some of the issues with them. So it was more of a, I like to think it was more of a little pep rally uh, than anything. But it was good. It was okay. good to hear from them. Then for the next day and a half, we spent our entire day up on the hill, you know, bouncing between the House and the Senate offices, uh, meeting with our congressional offices, our, our members of the House and Senate, plus other states that maybe they don't have a farmer's union in their state, but they're a key individual that we need to meet with. So we'd met with somebody from Kentucky. We met with somebody from Louisiana. We met with someone from North Carolina on Friday morning who's of course, district was getting pounded by Florence. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Hurricane Florence. So, so we spent you know a good chunk of Thursday and then part of Friday uh, sitting in on meetings, taking our priorities to these members of Congress and saying, you know, these are the things we'd like to see get done. You know, and and then getting that back and forth, whether it's from the you know the member of Congress or their staffer or whoever it might be. So I, I got to ask a side note question. Mm-hmm. Really uh, so, and it's, it's, it's related to what you were doing anyway. So do you have these meetings on the books months in advance, or do you just show up in mass and say, <laughs> you better see us? I think it'd be more effective if we showed up in mass, you know, especially if we drove in on our tractors, you know, but maybe a couple uh, manure spreaders loaded up. But, oh my gosh. Um, cows, plows, and sows. That's right. You know, load them up and go to town. Um, but I, I, I've always wondered that. Like, yeah. How do you get them to, so to in the, hear you and meet you? In the past, National Farmers Union has as an office in D.C., and usually what they would do is they would set those meetings up. Okay. We decided this year we wanted to set up our own meetings. So if you look at our three states, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, there are 17 members of the House and Senate between those three states. So pretty good chunk uh, out of that 535. So we, I actually, there's no we, uh, it's it's me. (laughs) I called each individual office and I set up these meetings. And okay. so I said, all right, here's, this was about mid-August, I think, when I started calling, because a lot of these offices are really weird about setting up meetings way out. They they usually don't set them until like a week or two before, sometimes the week of. If Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what schedules, the thought process is. I think their schedules are just so fluid and things change so quickly out okay. there that they, they kind of want to be able to lock it in and some changed at the last minute you know we had some i know like on thursday we had to bump up senator bennett's uh, meeting from noon to earlier in the morning there were a couple on friday that we had to bump up uh, just because you know travel uh, they want to get out of town they want to get out before the storm hits and things like that but okay but i called each individual office and i worked with their scheduler i worked with their ag legislative assistant uh, for the for the most part, sometimes their chief of staff, depending on you know what was going on and all that. But but yeah, uh, we finally locked in the last meeting the Friday before we flew out there, and uh, so we had all 17 of those plus uh, the ones that NFU gave us, and then a handful of of what we call drops, and that's basically you just take take the information, take the drop or the uh, talking points, and 
and whatever else, and then just hand it to a secretary as you walk in the in the door, tell them who you are, and and move on. But uh, but we hit every every office, so uh, wow, wow. five hundred and thirty five. <laughs> Uh, offices got our information in a day and a half. So good thing you had so, 40 people with you. Well, but the 350. That's, oh, in the, total. that's where the 350 yeah. comes in. I'm not certain. I haven't done the numbers on how many we hit, but I think it was over 40 that we actually, you know, either visited, had a meeting, or we just dropped information. Okay. So, so the National Farmers Union comes up with talking points so they it's do. so you're all on the same page exactly. everyone's kind of crazy. Oh, usually cool. usually what? they limit it to like three talking points so this year of course was pass a strong farm bill uh the trade tariff uh, war that we're in right now and then uh renewable fuels so okay. ethanol Okay. Those were the main three. And those are all heavily affecting farmers right now. Big time. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're they're ranked in priority, basically. I, you could probably interchange the farm bill and the trade issue right now for yeah. a lot of folks. But, but yeah, uh, that's, that's how we normally determine what our fly-in talking points are going to be. It's whatever issues affect the most farmers at this particular time and and uh or affect agriculture uh at this particular time so that's why we uh prioritize those and and take that to them this is cool so yeah. i mean this has been a so far has been an education in in grassroots democracy uh grassroots organization and and really the beginnings of, of legislation and how our electeds mm-hmm. learn about what matters to their constituents. Right. Uh, that's really, that's really cool. And it's always interesting, you know, you go into these offices and some are, you know, primarily ag districts. So we don't have to do a lot of educating. We don't have to tell them, you know, a lot about agriculture, but then you go into a lot of these urban offices, urban legislators and, you have to learn to kind of change direction a bit. And so when we're talking about the farm bill, we're not going to talk about crop insurance and we're not going to talk about, you know, commodity safety nets and things like that. But we are going to talk about uh, urban gardens. We're going to talk about community gardens. We're going to talk about uh, the supplemental nutrition, nutrition assistance programs or what we used to know as food stamps because those are programs that those constituents in that district are going to benefit from. So you, you've got to kind of figure out a way to, to change it a bit. Uh, you've got to be very flexible when you walk into these, mm-hmm. these offices because they're not always going to relate to uh, the cows, sows, and plows, so to speak. <laughs> right. So. I think we have the name of our episode. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. And Farm Bill. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to get into the Farm Bill. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. looking at this summary of the Farm Bill, and it has 12 sections mm-hmm. or titles. Titles, yeah. And that is just mind-blowing, and I, we need to let everyone know. It is way bigger how... than you think it is. It is. Yes, yes. It really so like, is. like we started, I thought the Farm Bill was for commodity crop farmers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's ask an expert. They get <laughs> so Nick. The farm bill just helps people that are farmers just get crop insurance, right? That's all it's about. That that is a part of what it does. Yes, uh, I, I like to think a tiny part. I like to think of the farm bill in in my mind anyway as a big pie. Okay, it's a, it's a huge pie, and there are pieces of that pie that go to certain sectors, uh, whether it's agriculture or nutrition or crop insurance, you name it. 
But the biggest piece of that pie is the nutrition programs. They're, that's about 80% of okay. the farm bill. Wow. So a huge, huge chunk so of the So food pie. stamps or SNAP, right. supplemental, supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is part of the farm bill. Is TANF part of that too? TANF is part of that program. Which it's is temporary, temporary assistance for needy families. Yep, yep, that is all contained under their WIC, is contained under their... Is that uh, women and infant children? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so... You know, the government's been involved in food programs for a long time, going back to, you know, like the early 1900s. We've we've dealt with that, especially during the Depression. But we didn't start tying food programs into agriculture programs until about 40 years ago when uh, Senator Dole from my home state of Kansas, Bob Dole, um, and Senator George McGovern of South Dakota, a Republican, Dole, a Democrat, McGovern, came together and said, look, we've got all of this food out here we've got we're we're so productive we've produced so much food and yet we still have all of these hungry people why don't we tie the two programs together bring those nutrition programs into the farm bill and then we'll find an outlet for a lot of this overproduction that we that we have not unlike what we're dealing with today we have overproduced a lot of our grains uh, we have overproduced on milk especially the dairy farmers are struggling right now uh, and we still have a lot of hungry people. You know, there's about 40 million people that utilize SNAP programs uh, throughout uh, the year. Now, it's not all at the same time. Some of these are only for a matter of weeks or months. It's not a uh, quote-unquote safety net, so to speak, uh, but it is a temporary program for a lot of individuals. And the majority of folks who utilize these programs are elderly, disabled, children mm-hmm. or working families these are the folks that are utilizing these programs so Which it made you sense. just debunked or helped to debunk yeah. a giant myth yeah that it's just people that sit at home and don't do anything right yeah who yeah. choose not to do anything yeah and, and and don't get me wrong there are some who do that and that was uh, a good distinction choose yeah, yeah they they make that choice yeah um, but and, but that is not right and, and and the administrations, you know, over the last few different administrations have done a really good job of kind of weeding out a lot of that abuse and fraud. It's down to like less than 1%. Wow, uh, really? Yeah. Great. So cuz oh your, my your card is tied to you. You can't sell those benefits. You can't oh. give them away. It used to, it used to be rampant, right. you know, they'd give them away, they'd sell them anymore it is tied to you you have your id tied to that and and you can't just give those things away plus the benefits themselves are only about a dollar and 40 cents a day so they're not there's not a lot there to work with to begin with so you know they've cut back on a lot of that and and they've also made some changes within the system itself on what you can and cannot buy uh, you know, you often hear about the oh, the guy living on champagne and caviar and oh yeah, and all right. That. And it's like well, steak, and, yeah, 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 all of that. Um, you know, maybe once in a while you see one of those happen, and that's unfortunate. It's too bad because that's using a system that otherwise that's food that that could be going to somebody that could really utilize it in in a proper way. But for the most part, it's it's those working families, it's children, it's the elderly. And it's the disabled people. And we're seeing more and more in rural areas, especially, because the rural economy right now is struggling. It's not keeping up with what we're seeing on the national economy as far as things going really well. Uh, But we're seeing a lot of folks utilizing uh, these programs. And that's okay. You know, people need to understand. Rural economic development? 
is also a yeah. part of that. Yeah, I mean it's it's another chunk of the of the pie. So uh, you know we can start in on these if if you'd like. But well, yeah. no, I, I just I, I I'm just thinking of you, you know you, you're talking about rural and, and the internet mm-hmm. service that's provided in rural areas yeah. is sometimes not as good as it is in say rural Uganda. Yeah, exactly. Um, and exactly. Some people don't even have access to high speed broadband is that is that part of it's the a, farm bill it's a major issue in the farm bill and and when we were at that USDA is awesome. yeah it is i just wish we'd do more action and less talk because yeah. that seems like that's all we do is talk about well these are the things we need these are the things we want well the other day at USDA um, the assistant secretary to uh Sunny Purdue for rural development and Hazlitt was there and she talked about rural development and you know all of the different areas that covers but rural broadband was is one of them and and rural uh, america has been neglected these big internet service providers or isps have looked at rural america and said there's nothing there there's nobody out there why would we want to invest in that so we've had this struggle with them you know and and you try to uh, incentivize them to come into these areas and they still won't do it uh, then we get issues like net neutrality, uh, which is a whole other kettle of fish we can sure. talk about a different day. <laughs> um, but but they don't look at rural America as something worth investing their time and their money in. And that's unfortunate because there there are proven areas where they've come in and they've done, you know, major, major uh, high-speed broadband in rural areas and what it's done for that community. Back home where I where I grew up, they came in. The co-op uh, purchased the phone company and came in, and they got a government grant to bring in high-speed internet like 12, 13 years ago. We have and, and have had some of the best internet in our part of the state for a long, long time. You don't have to go very far to find hardly inter- any internet access at all. Dial so it's very satellite. much pocket. Yeah. You know, it's just certain pockets. But it has helped to attract businesses to the area. It has helped to, uh, it's helped the school system, you know, because then they've been able to expand what yes. they can offer to the children. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a real boon to the, to the community. And, and I, I don't know what we'd do without it now. Well, and a lot of the equipment, like farm equipment, yeah. is yeah, exactly. connected um, for like where to plow or where to plant sure, because and, a lot of it is connected with gps and right. how to know, water farmers, and farmers a lot of them are using smart technology right to turn their irrigation systems oh, on yeah. and off or, or dial in how much they they want to put on this particular field and you know all of those things and and i think about the kids especially in rural areas i've i've talked to folks i, I used to work in wisconsin as well and they have put Wi-Fi hotspots on buses so that kids can do their homework to and from school. Oh, that's great. I mean, it, it's like, it, it like is, on the airplane or something like that. It is, yeah. but it isn't. I right. mean, I, 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 li- I like that they're doing that, but why don't we just give them internet at home? Well, yeah. You know, why don't we give them good totally. quality high-speed internet yes. at home and then... They don't have to do that, you know. Well, because there's still um, a lot of kids who I mean, there's won't a lot. Finish their homework. There's a right. lot yeah. of social emotional learning going on on the bus ride there, to and from school, is. so they oh, don't yeah. need to all there's, be sitting on the learning yeah, of all you know, types. Netflix <laughs> uh, on the way to school. But <laughs> but I know good. parents who have told me 
they take their kids to town and they sit outside a local restaurant or the local library oh my to get the Wi-Fi, you know, so that their kids can do their homework. Oh, I mean, man. that that's third world that's country sickening. stuff. Yeah, that is. I mean, really and, sad. and you mentioned Uganda. Yeah. There are places in Africa that have better access to Internet than we do here in the United States. A yes. lot of rural places very in rural. Africa that have better <laughs> access. To yeah. Yeah. So it, oh. it is a, an issue that I, I wish that they would do a lot more action than talking. Yeah, and unfortunately, all we seem to hear is talk. But it is contained under that title uh, under rural development. So, okay. So yeah, let's jump through a couple of myths and then let's jump into this. Okay. Um, so one of the things that we're referring to is a, a website called Farm Flavor. They've got some really good, really good information. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Nick, for providing that. Nick, Nick has uh, Nick has really helped our education <laughs> along in this. <laughs> He got um, us ready for the podcast. He, he did. He helped get us Focusing ready. Focusing on that base of the triangle, <laughs> Thank right? Thank goodness so. we had high-speed right. internet to do this. Yes. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> so um, there is a myth that American farms are all giant, oh. huge farms, yeah. which is Corporations. funny. Corporate farms. There's a myth among them. But whenever you look at any packaging, mm-hmm. it's essentially the typical Wisconsin farm, right? The, sure. the red barn and the grain grain and so it probably falls somewhere in between there right? it, it really does <laughs> but the truth of the matter is that about 97 percent of the farms and ranches in this country are family owned now they could be uh an llc you know a limited liability corporation or an s corp or whatever uh, but they do that for tax reasons they do that for for whatever reasons because they're probably at a size that they need to do that but okay. the majority of family, the majority of farms in this country are family owned. You know, there's always that pushback on on corporate owned land and things like that, and that is a concern. You know, corporations buying up land is something that concerns me. Other countries coming to buy land, China is notorious for that, uh, wanting to come in and buy land, um, or ag companies. Okay, um, those are the things that people need to be more concerned about, in in my opinion. But, I yeah 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 the yeah. largest pig farm in the United States is now owned by a Chinese corporation. Mm-hmm. Smithfield. And yeah. we get to keep all of the waste from the pigs and the slaughter. Right. And a lot of the the, the meat goes back to China. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, moving on with another myth. Uh, there's, there's a myth that surrounds crop subsidies. And crop mm-hmm. subsidies are contained within the farm bill. Uh-huh. Farmers... They just they get they just get paid gobs of money to not farm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Talk, tell me a little bit. <laughs> right. About that. Well, because uh, farmers are just so rich. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Find me one, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hundred bucks. But, um, or no, he'll give you a hundred. Or bucks he'll give you hundred bucks that I'll just turn around and give to you. No. Uh, share the wealth. No. Uh, subsidies used to be a part of the farm program of the farm bill. It is no longer. As prevalent as it used to be, they made a, a major change in the 2012 Farm Bill, or what essentially became the 2014 Farm Bill, where they got away from those subsidies and focused more of their attention on crop insurance, you know, to, to be that safety net to protect farmers during difficult times. Okay. Uh, there is still some subsidies, there are, but, uh, but not to the extent that we've seen in the past. And we no longer pay farmers to, to not produce Okay. Um, there, there are some programs that are set aside programs like CRP, 
the Conservation Reserve Program, which is marginal land, land that you wouldn't want to plant on anyway, uh, okay. because it's probably highly erodible, or the you know it just doesn't have the soil profile that you would like it to have to to grow anything. So we do have programs that incentivize farmers to not plant anything there, uh, rather you know just grow. Um, you know, grasses um, and have forage there available uh, when they need it uh, rather than planting any kind of commodity crops. In one of our conversations in the past, uh, you you mentioned how what you were just talking about is somehow uh, tied to the Dust Bowl. Yes, yeah. So Tell the us a little bit about that because that is mm-hmm. a fascinating story. The conservation title of the Farm Bill really came about in the 1930s during the, the Depression, a time when our country was in a lot of turmoil financially. But then also we got hit with a double whammy, and that was the, the Dust Bowl. And there were times when, you know, especially in my home state of Kansas, but Oklahoma as well, when the dust would blow from there and blowed clear to Washington, D.C. That is just crazy. Yeah, it's I mean, crazy. It, it they did not cover that in the Grapes of Wrath. No. No. no they it was, did, it they wasn't in there. They didn't cover that. No. That's, that's very true. <laughs> they left uh, it out. But, but it is true. They, they had you know storms that, of course, traveled from the west to the east. And it carried that dust into that. Washington, D.C. And you know all the white marble turned brown and red because of this dust okay had that red dirt from oklahoma the brown dirt from kansas and that's when people realized oh wait a minute maybe we ought to do something there'd be a little bit better they were just like over farming their land and just had deteriorated all nutritional i mean there were farmers that well quote unquote farmers there were people who came from the east and west coast out to the great plains and bought up land and started plowing it up and they were planting wheat because that was the thing to do i mean it was that was the big money maker back then and you know it it just went nuts and then finally after doing all that you know you plow up that prairie uh, that native prairie and um you you cause a problem Mm -hmm. and and it was a an extended problem i my grandmother grew up in western kansas uh in decatur county so northwest kansas and her father farmed for seven years and didn't grow a thing uh, during the Dust Bowl. I mean, wow. he did not what? produce one crop so he for tried. seven years. He tried. I mean, you, that's that's the one thing about farmers. They're eternal optimists. <laughs> yeah. you know, they'll, they'll stick a seed <laughs> in the ground. That's heartbreaking. You know, they'll put a seed in the ground and they'll, you know, hope to God that it rains and that they get the sunshine it's that gonna they happen. need. And, yeah. And for seven years, he did that. And, and nothing... we complain about, like, some wind taking out crops. Right. And, like, <laughs> they couldn't even grow any. Yeah. I mean, but he, he survived. You but know? they had they, they must have had, like we talked earlier, some side hustles. Well, yeah. I think he did. I think he did anything he could because he had a family. He had yeah. to feed his wife and kids. Wow. You know, He had to put food on the table and keep the lights on and, and all of that. But... But through this Dust Bowl and and this horrible, horrible time in our history, people sat down and they said, all right, we need conservation programs that will conserve the soil, that will conserve the water. And so therefore they created this conservation title, which in a sense uh, created programs that uh, took land out of production, that uh, created uh, waterways so that you could direct water off of your land and and into uh, creeks and ditches and and things like that. Um, put in uh, terraces so that you didn't have the um, the soil erosion. To put in windrows, trees, you know, uh, tree lines, 
on the borders of your farm so okay. that it would be a windbreak or, or put one around your, your farm so that it would protect your, your home in the winter and, and things like that. And so that's how that all kind of got started was, was through that. And, and it's been a, a wonderfully, uh, you know, beneficial program, I think, because otherwise I think we'd probably still be farming the way we were and, and we wouldn't be doing things like no-till, uh, practices, which, you know, people, uh, kind of get incentivized for for those practices now too that's so, great yeah we we actually had an episode uh, where the farmers talk about the the, the soil health and yeah uh, i can't remember what what which episode or when when that one came out yeah tower view farm yeah garden. the tower view farm garden check that one out yeah it might be the one right before this but yeah. uh anyway um so Moving, moving well, back. We talked about like no, you, Title we, One, Section One, commodity program. Well, and tied how the farm bill has been. You know, the people don't get paid to just not farm. Right. It's there's conservation programs to help. So in 200 years, we can still farm. Right. So yeah. that there's still land that's farmable, and that you can pass that down to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So within the farm bill, there are 12 titles, yep. right? Is that right? That's yep. correct. Um, let's let's spend uh, a minute or two because there's a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but let's just kind of spend a minute or two blasting through uh, each of these titles. We, as Kimberly just said, we've talked a little bit about the commodity program. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else on the commodity program? Really. Uh, not not that I can think of because we'll talk about the crop insurance stuff. We've talked okay. a little bit more about that. but uh, And yeah, that's Title I. I. That's, Title I is your commodity programs. Okay. Uh, but there are some uh, programs in there that uh, protect against, you know, like a fall in milk prices. Okay. Uh, which is what we're seeing right now, uh, issues with that. Disaster relief for livestock and, and tree fruit producers, which is huge for us out here in, yeah. in Colorado especially because mm-hmm. we have a lot of cattlemen, we have a lot of livestock producers. And, you know, over on the western slope, we have yes. a lot of, of tree fruit uh, yes. producers that, you know, are affected by um, extreme weather variabilities. Yeah. Uh, we see, you know, significant droughts. Uh, we see significant blizzards, uh, freezes, things like that that yeah. affect their bottom line. And uh, without some of these programs, they'd be out of business. So would you say that the, the uh, those kind of encompass a little bit of food security? So it, would it you does. say that that's title, title one also touches on food security? I think it does in okay. a sense, yeah. Because I think yeah. that's a big, big area yep. of of. of the edible economy that mm-hmm. people need to be much more aware about. They do. They need to be more in tune to that uh, because I think we just tend to think only about the nutrition title covering that. But it, it really, yeah. it, it kind of spreads. It's got little feelers basically that go yeah. out from it that feed into some of these other titles. So there's somewhat interconnected yeah, titles. Exactly. So, and then we talked a little bit about uh, Title Two, which is conservation mm-hmm. with the with the Dust Bowl. Yep. Which, but there's some other really neat programs that that come out of that. I, I yeah. can't remember. I think that's the one that uh, farmers can get a greenhouse uh, from one of the conservation organizations right. within the federal government, which so, is an awesome program. That falls under Equip. So there's okay. a lot of acronyms, which I know is is all part of government, but I'll try to explain. <laughs> but Equip is Environmental Quality Incentives Program, 
I and like it, it. it deals with you know conservation, quality of the environment. But that's a program that many producers can utilize funding from uh, to purchase uh, greenhouses or hoop houses or high tunnels. Uh, so that they can grow year-round on their farms. But CRP... I'm note of that one. I yeah, like that. Yeah. CRP was one I mentioned, the Conservation Reserve. CSP, which is the Conservation Stewardship Program. Uh, so that's all about responsible stewardship of the environment. Uh, the RCPP, which is the Regional Conservation Partnership Program, uh, which focuses on the conservation of resources in certain regions. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you just... Take your pick, basically. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot uh, contained within that title. So uh, Title Three, trade. trade. Yeah, and and that's it's got the balance scales of justice. Yeah, or right. gold goes on this side and flour goes on this yeah, side. Right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, <laughs> or China's on the heavy side and the U.S. is over here on the lighter side. Trade is a major issue right now for farmers, especially because of this trade war that we're in. Uh, with our neighbors to the north and south, Canada and Mexico, yeah, uh, through this NAFTA renegotiation, and then also, you know, the EU, China, you name it. Seems like we're we're in a bit of a, a tizzy with a lot of our our friends these days. <laughs> pretty but, much everyone. Yeah, pretty much everybody yeah. right now, uh, and that's unfortunate because it's it's concerning uh, for a lot of reasons. Because right now we're in a time of very low commodity prices. Uh, so low, in fact, that farmers are not able to cover their costs. Wow. Know, so their input costs, uh, you know, whether that's seed or uh, fertilizer or chemicals, or even just harvesting, planting and harvesting, the labor, the fuel, things like that. Uh, they're not getting that in return. So we're, we've hit another one of those double whammies with, okay. this, uh, with this trade war. So, so having programs like this is important. But they're having to do double the work now because we've we've turned our back on on our trade partners. And don't get me wrong, you know some of the actions that needed to happen for a long time. We've needed to, you know, get China to the table and say, all right, you know, some of the practices that uh, you have done over the last, you know, however many years have not been fair. But a tariff war is not the answer to that because nobody wins in a trade war. Sure. And, and agriculture, somebody told me this the other day, and I believe it wholeheartedly. Agriculture is always the first to get hit in the nose in a trade war, and we bleed the longest. You know, because it's That's easy. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's easy to go after ag products because we live in a global world now. We are in a global society. China can go somewhere else and get the soybeans that they need to feed hogs or to you know, make into tofu. And it takes a long time to build those relationships. It's, yeah. And, and a really short time to knock it, them down. It takes, it, I read an article the other day that said that a farmer in North Dakota had been working with um, soybean buyers from China for like the last 25, 30 years. I, they would come to his farm yeah. and they would visit. They wanted to see the plants and watch them grow and, you know, and all of that. And, and he made friendships out of this. Yeah. Over 25, 30 years, and like that, it changed overnight. China's not buying soybeans from us. They did not put in an order to buy soybeans from us when they were in Kansas City in August. Wow. And so now they are going to other countries, and they're saying, we'll buy from you. But what they're also doing is they're drawing down their feed rations for their hogs, because China's a major pork consumer yeah but they're drawing down their feed rations so they are not even going to need to utilize 
as many soybeans as they've had. And that relationship's not just going to come no, back. No. It's like, oh, yeah. My bad. My dad, We're good. My dad talks about the Russia grain embargo from 1979 when when Jimmy Carter was president. And we were mad at Russia, and, and they were mad at us, so we put this grain embargo on them. And what happened, uh, he said that morning, uh, my grandmother was listening to the radio, and she heard this on the radio. We happened to have grain in our grain bins on the farm. So Grandpa thought, gosh, I better sell that while the price is still up. So he did. Well, very few farmers recognized that. They didn't get their grain sold in time, so they didn't get the high yeah. price. It took 15 years to get that market back. I mean, after after that happened... So we need to stop the bleeding So basically, now. yeah. I mean, and, and right or, now... Or I'm sorry, we need to stop the punches so the bleeding sad. can well, end up stopping. But the bleeding too, because it really... I mean, yes, they, they came out with a package to help farmers like $12 right, billion. Right, but dollars. how long is that going to take to administer and what's it really... It's And essentially, it's only half that because the farmer only gets half that payment now. So if you're a corn producer, you're only getting one cent on every bushel that you produce. But you really, you're only so getting... So it's more of a media op is what it was. It really was and just... expensive. I think it was a way to, to buy people's loyalty, in a sense, because the the farmers and ranchers really supported this administration. They they helped to, to get... And they're feeling you know, betrayed. ...Trump elected. And so I think Trump realized that, and he said, well, we got to take care of the farmers. Well, the farmers have lost over $14 billion already... <sighs> But you're only giving them twelve billion, and essentially you're only giving them six billion because you're only giving them half of it now, and the other half will come after harvest is over. So after they've turned in their bushels and those numbers to USDA, and then USDA will determine whether to pay the other half. I mean, and it's you know just, how long that takes to administer. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and for a penny on a bushel, the paperwork itself is going to cost more. It's right. going to take more time. Then it's going to be worth. So it's it's a band aid on a bullet wound, is what I've been calling. Yeah. So. Yeah, it really is. So, um, sorry. So that's no. really sad. I, that's yeah, it is very sad. concerning. It is sad because. And it, I'm glad ever you know. Hopefully, all of our listeners are learning because yeah. something. And I don't think we'll see the ramifications of it this year. You know, we're getting to the end of 2018, but I think we will see it happen in 2019. I think what it's going to come down to is there's going to be. Bankers who say we aren't loaning you any money, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, because the numbers just aren't there, and I think you're going to see farmers of all shapes and sizes go out of business. Oh. Yeah, and I hate oh. it. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. So the farm bill is is there are portions of the farm bill to help protect against that, right? So um, the next three we've kind of talked about, but I just want to mention them. There's uh, the Title IV nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is 80% of 80%, the farm 80%, bill. 80%. And how big is the farm bill? The, the farm bill is roughly, it, it kind of varies. I know this time around the House and Senate versions vary on their numbers, but I think somewhere around seven or $800 billion. Okay. But that's over a five, Crazy. six year period. Okay. So larger okay. than the economy of most countries. In oh, the yeah. World. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a significant Which amount of money. Not, and so nutrition is 80% of that. 80%. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. it's still like I have to go back and say I'm still shocked that nutrition is part of the farm bill and not yeah. under like human services. Well, and, and we hear that a lot. You know, there's that argument that, well, why don't we take those programs and move them over to, to health and human services? Well, that'd be fine. I mean, it, 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 if you think about it, you know, from the thousand yard glance, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. But if you do that, if you take away that 
that significant chunk, that's 80% of the USDA's budget. So you've basically gutted the U.S. US Department okay. of Agriculture. Yeah. And anything that's left could just be, for lack of better words, farmed out to other <laughs> other cabinet-level agencies. Okay. You know, you could send... Uh, let, I hope that doesn't happen because yeah, we've I seen major shakeups. I mean, that has been a threat. Every time we have these discussions, oh, okay. that's the threat is we're going to pull Snap out and we're going to send it somewhere else, or just get rid of it altogether. Yeah, okay. and and so and we always push back on that because as an organization, we know the value in keeping the two tied together. The so. next one is uh, Title Five. Title Five, which is which is credit. Credit, and yeah. we've um, we we've hit some of that a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Um, you know, this is a, a very difficult financial time for a lot in the agriculture industry. So having access to credit beyond maybe what their local bank can offer is is helpful. Um, but you know, this this ties into beyond just farm loans and livestock loans and all that. There's folks that uh, can qualify for home loans through USDA if they live in a particular area of the country that that has these programs. So, so it really does. It it's uh, it's kind of all encompassing, so to speak. So having that having that credit title right now is especially important. All right. What's the next one? So we talked about rural development a, a little bit already. Got we into did. the the high speed internet, but. A lot of that really is uh, for helping these uh, smaller rural communities uh, to remain viable. And there's yeah. there's large block grants and things that right. are, that that come yeah. through that. And yeah, there's some really neat. Uh, one of the things that uh, I think this is where it is. Um, maybe maybe it's in a, in a different section, but where there's two different types of grant programs for rural economic development, uh, farmers markets, and. Yeah. Farmers, we'll yeah, Farmers Market Promotion Program. Yes, and... yeah, the FMPP, uh, the Value Added Producer Grants. Is that in? I don't know yeah. if that's necessarily in rural development. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd have to. That might be in miscellaneous. I'd okay. have to dig a little deeper on that. But but you're right. I mean the the CDBGs, the Community Development Block, block Grants. Yes. Are huge. Um, you know, to help people purchase a business to make improvements to their business, uh, mm-hmm. the building itself mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, whatever's needed so that we can keep Main Street uh, up and running. Yeah. Yeah. So. And get better internet. And get better. Yeah. Start there. Start <laughs> there and the rest internet. will follow. Build it and they will come. <laughs> right. So uh, research extensions and related matters. Yeah. So that ties in uh, really close to home here because, you know, we have – uh, Colorado State University and through that uh, CSU extension uh, so we have and and this is a program that oh, literally okay. touches okay, yeah. every county of of this state and and really every state in the nation yeah extension, there's extension offices yeah, everywhere yep you've got extension programs you have extension agents you've got 4-H you've got all of these programs so the research that takes place at CSU for instance is extended beyond CSU to the communities that Extension serves. So okay. any of the papers that they write up on research they've done on cattle or sheep or crops or you name it uh, are then basically pushed out through the Extension program and then available to uh, communities uh, all across the state and all across the country, basically. And so. the Extension offices, they really do... They really do go out and get into involved in the community. They do. I mean, I'm I'm guessing that you know, depending on how long or how large or how dedicated your local farmers market is, 
um, you'll see an extension mm-hmm. office there sometime. Yeah. You know, may not be every year, may not be every week, but mm-hmm. at some point you you'll probably see an extension office. And they, right. And they're pretty neat. I know one of the things that they do at our market is. Uh, they identify plants, yes. <laughs> yeah. which is really cool because you might have something growing that you think is great, and, and they and say, then "Well, they, it's not," or yeah. "No, this isn't a weed. This is exactly you know, this is an yeah. edible crop that you could you, that you, you can, can make have, a yeah. lot of money on. Yeah. So plant more of it. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Yeah, but no, that's a that's a very key key title. Uh, probably doesn't get as enough. At, uh, as much attention as it probably should. I mean, it's the uh, whole, it's pretty much the education piece. It of, really is. Okay. And, and when so, we talk about pulling SNAP out of the farm bill, like you just mentioned, yeah. uh, that's one right there that could be sent over to the Department of Education. You know, sure. I don't uh, want that. No, no. 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 I mean, because it just, it totally removes it from its sole purpose. And, uh, and it makes it that much more difficult, I think, to continue to fund it as it needs to be funded. You know, it, it's it's really interesting because everybody, I mean, we're, what you're talking about right now, and and the thoughts of, well, we can remove this and put mm-hmm. it over here. Mm-hmm. We can remove this and put it over here. If you think about it, food touches every aspect right. of what we do. Right. Farming touches every aspect of what we do. Yep. So really, it probably should be going the other way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of policy should come from the farm bill. There mm-hmm. probably is more that should go in than is already in Well, there. yeah. And, and you know, we need to do a better job of, of explaining it. Um, we need to truly call it what it is, the food and farm bill. Uh, yeah. I catch myself all the time because, you know, for the last 80 plus years, we've known it as the farm bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the true. farm program. Yeah, it's a it's but, a horrible name for it because it, people don't understand. Yeah, because it, it it's not inclusive. So when you when we have these discussions, we should say the food and farm bill. And then that way it's like, well gosh, everybody's gotta eat, you know. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And not every, everybody farms, food, but everybody's farm, gotta eat. Health, renewable energy, yeah. and internet. Every, and, and internet, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Internet. Exactly. So in so. each one of the farm bills ends up getting a unique name, correct? It does. It does. Uh and Is they there... they settle on that, you know, they come together and they decide like the the ninety six farm bill was the freedom to farm bill. Uh which okay. Uh, people kind of made fun of in, in you know, <laughs> later years after that, that it was the freedom to fail because it was a not a very good farm bill. Okay. It, it did not help farmers the way it was supposed to. But I, I don't even know off the top of my head what this one's called. Does I, it have I, a name yet? It does. It does. Um, they kind of combined both the House and Senate version names and, okay. and put them all together. But I, I'm really drawing a blank on that. So. I'm looking it up for you. Look right it up. Now. Look <laughs> it up. So we'll, we'll go on. We'll, we'll keep yeah, talking. I want to know. So title eight. Yeah. It's forestry. Forestry. Yeah. Which is something people don't think about being under the farm bill either, uh, because we also have the Department of Interior, oh. uh, which is where that would go. So if this they is the Forest Service. So this is the U.S. Forest Service. Oh, my goodness. And if you go to D.C., <laughs> which I was just there the other day, and we walked outside of USDA and right across the street from their massive building yes. is the Forest Service building. And it's this cute little red brick building. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it's just, you know, it's been there since Jesus was in the third grade. But um, it it's just this neat little building. But they're Where he together. had good internet in he, the rural areas, right, by the know, way. Yeah. So 
internet. I can't help it. You know, what would Jesus so, do? Well, he'd give you internet. So, jeez. Oh, so, um, but the forestry so, title is important because, uh, especially for us out here, We've had these major wildfires. Yes. And this is a massive, massive program. You know, managing these forests is not something. I mean, they don't just send somebody out there with an axe or a chainsaw and say, all right, we'll get to work. You know, it's it takes a lot of time. And I I know in a conversation that I had with former secretary um, Dan Glickman, uh, he was secretary under Bill Clinton for a period of time okay. in the Clinton administration. He said that this was by far the one that gave him the most headaches because he said, I mean, think about it. Think about our forests in this right. country. They're just, they're massive. And then you get into these extended dry periods, the drought, and then you have a wildfire and you've got to deal with that. And that's where all of your money for so- this this particular program all goes. the aid for the national forest is part of the it's farm part bill. of the farm bill yeah wow yeah exactly and and you know i've heard people say well why don't we move that in into interior well you could essentially right. i mean that they're they're kind of overlapping agencies but then you've just taken one more chunk out of USDA that we really can't afford to lose. Or you could so. move all that land from interior into yeah, the farm bill because just, they, all the cattle grazing rights, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, yes, the BLMs, yeah. you know, yeah. the, and, and all of that. Uh, so that's the, the Bureau of Land and Management. Lands and, mm-hmm. and all that. So, you know, there's, there's kind of that, uh, well, you know, give and take, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, a lot more give than take. And then um, y'all are going to be blown away again by Title IX, which is energy. Energy, yeah. Uh. <laughs> so it's like everything that runs our country is part of the farm bill. Yeah. Pretty good. It's just, just a bad name for it. Pretty good, yeah. I mean, it's it's an, an unfo- unfortunate name. Yeah. Uh, no. I'm sorry, unfortunate. <laughs> and I can't find the name, the, the, the new name. Yeah, the, okay. yeah. It's secret for now. Yeah. Right, they're keeping it under wraps. It's probably um, going to be like the super awesome radical farm bill. Yeah, Never. yeah there you go. That, well, I mean, just... The best ever. Oh, they'd, right. they'd have to make a lot of changes to, right. to now make I that get where happen. you're going. Yeah, with that. yeah, the yeah, best yeah. I'm just ever. saying that that's what beautiful. the administration. It's the runs. beautiful it's farm beautiful. bill. Beautiful, yeah. it's huge. It's, it's the greatest. <laughs> it's the biggest farm bill ever. <laughs> um, so the the energy title. Um, you know, I mentioned that on, on our fly-in last week we talked about ethanol. So so programs like uh, renewable fuels uh, yep. would fall under this. Uh, but it's also programs that help um, people in rural areas to put a wind tower up, you know, if they want to put a turbine out to power their, their home. Or if they want to put solar panels out so that they can uh, run their, their home or their, their farm business. Uh, I know folks in Wisconsin that I worked with that had solar panels for their dairies. And, you know, just, you know, trying to back away from that reliance on... on uh, on the big power companies, yes. so to speak, but but also for communities as well. There's there's programs um, that that they uh, that they have under this title that that help them to uh, access uh, renewable energy. Good. So the next one is uh, horticulture. It's just about growing flowers, though, right? We don't we don't need to talk. <laughs> well, about they that they one. did use that little, little <laughs> tulip or whatever it is. It's so small. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
But it, it's really important, it's I think, huge. for a lot of our members especially because it covers <laughs> those specialty crops. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is this, this is, is where what we, live. we think the farm bill is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. don't knock horticulture. It that's, says that's right. the specialty no. crops, fruits, nuts, vegetables, and flowers. Yep. Yeah. That's what we, we always wanted it to be mm-hmm. huge in that area. And see, I think that's where this farmer's market and local foods promotion program comes in, the value-added okay. producer grants. Those, A lot of those, I think, are tied in under the, the horticulture title, uh, if I remember right. So, And it is. It's important um, because these are the foods that we eat. Yeah. These are the this foods that we consume. Like, this is food. They say specialty crops. This uh-huh. is this is, this is what food. we eat. This yeah. isn't the big so grain. Wait, are tomatoes and cucumbers, are those specialty crops? Well, I mean, they fall under the vegetables, the vegetables. but I, okay. I wouldn't call them specialty crops. Specialty okay. crops are going to be like your ancient grains or, okay. you know, certain certain crops that, um, you know, are maybe new to production in the area or in the in the country. I wonder if uh, cannabis. They're not new, but they're coming back specialty because they're better would for be consi- you. Yeah, cannabis could be considered. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is where we live. Yeah, Vertical. that is yeah. where we live. This is where we That's eat. Right. So when you, when you go to farmer's markets and you support your small local farmer or you go to a farm stand, you go anywhere to support small local farms. Yeah. Um, they are living in the under horticulture. Under the horticulture title. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure some of them grow commodity crops as well, but probably, but yeah. not in a large enough scale to be getting subsidies, subsidies and yeah. stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, yeah, it's going to be different yeah. for each one, probably. So so support that one. Yeah, let's make sure that one doesn't get removed. <laughs> exactly. Full funding. Full funding. <laughs> All right. Uh, title eleven. Eleven crop insurance. We've uh, we've talked a little bit or mm-hmm. a little bit about a that one. Bit, yeah. little so, bit. A little bit. A little bit. But yeah, basically <laughs> the crop insurance program. It is the the number one safety net for farmers right now, and especially during times where we're seeing these major droughts. You know the the poor farmers in North Carolina that have been flooded by uh, the hurricane. Uh, I just read that you know over fifty five hundred hogs and over a million chickens uh, perished. Are really? they are they oh insured? They uh, under crop insurance. It's it's possible that they are insured under a uh, disaster type insurance for livestock, but not always. I mean that that's going to be the big thing there is if there's going to be some kind of a program to help them. Okay. Um, Would that know, be an, an emergency program that's established just for that? It may have to be. Okay. It may be part of a, a large, um, you know, emergency assistance package that they put Which would together. come from FEMA or yeah, something? Yeah, probably through okay. FEMA. You know, the federal government would have to step in. But, but really, on the crop insurance side of things, it's these, it's these major weather uh, variabilities that we're seeing. You know, the, the hail storms that we're seeing up in this area and yeah. into the further northeast Colorado, the drought in the south and the west... But let's um, be clear, um, you, you know, when we, we've, we've gotten hailed twice this mm-hmm. year, um, and one of them destroyed a lot of the infrastructure, mm-hmm. the other destroyed a lot of crops. And a lot of people, when they hear that we've got hail, and it's primarily vegetables grown on our yeah. farm, uh, they just automatically say, oh, you've got, you've got, you've got crop insurance. You're good, well, right? No. And the answer is no. Not always. Not always. Now, there is a program called NAP which is non-insurable crop disaster uh, program, I think is what it's called. Okay. Anyway, there are certain crops that are not covered by this title 
that are covered by this NAP insurance. So um, that's forages, that's vegetables, that's that's other different. But you have to be a very a pretty large farm, don't you? It it does depend. I, I think a lot of it is dependent on the size that you're at. Uh, because then it also gets into the affordability. I mean, can you afford to to have that coverage? Oh, right. That's what I that's mean, what I think. Um, yeah. And there's a there's a cost benefit to where the ones that can afford that are very large and usually yeah. mono monocropping right. farmers. You right. Know, because they couldn't afford to insure every right. different I mean, kind you, of crop. You would have to be you know like a, a Robert Sakata or uh, you know somebody that or strawberry size. producer in California huge huge production to, yeah. to be able to make it work yeah, yeah. So, so just so everyone knows smaller farmers generally don't have yeah. crop insurance for their uh, for their vegetables right. uh, larger farmers oftentimes have it for commodities right and yeah. there is another pro- program called the whole farm revenue protection program which they are working toward making it more affordable for folks. It's just we've got to do better with these insurance carriers. And that's where, you know, like our FUSA insurance yes. agency could come in and, and, and work with these carriers to say, all right, hey, we have all these producers out here who this is how they make their living or a good chunk of their living. Why don't we do better for them? Why don't we help them by uh, creating a program, uh, a service within this industry that helps them, mm-hmm. you know, to keep them in business. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be tougher as we move on because weather events it, are becoming, they don't seem to be, they are. They are. More extreme and they more, are, more you know, often. When, when we mm-hmm. get droughts, it's for an extended period of time. In fact, now they're talking about renaming that to uh, call it aridification. So uh, rather oh, wow. than just yeah. saying it's a drought, which usually when you think drought, it's just a you know shorter period of time, Six and weeks. then all of a sudden yeah. you get rain and everything's yes. green and pretty again. Aridification is a long extended drought cycle, uh, which is what we've been seeing. Uh, these rains that we get, you know, they come in and they just pour and pour and pour. And, and that pour doesn't and pour. help. No, it doesn't. And after you've had a fire. Uh, and you've taken away all of that protection, that soil cover, yes. the trees and the undergrowth, and then you get a, a rain like that come in, you see that turn into the, the landslides and the mudslides, and, and it just causes more and more issues down the road. So, so yeah, it's, it's a very big, cumbersome title when you, when you start getting into all the details. Mm-hmm. Okay, and finally, we have... Title 12. Which is miscellaneous. Miscellaneous. That's yeah. a great name. It is. It is. You know, it's, it's all-encompassing. In uh, um, everything but, else. So everything yeah, else Everything else there. comes under there. So, you know, programs for livestock and poultry producers. Um, so, you know, that might be part of that program that, that folks in North Carolina right now would, would have to look at. Um, I would think that... that Livestock and poultry got their own section, not called miscellaneous. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> you know, you would think I mean, so. you know, yeah, we have yeah. energy. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that'll be for the next farm bill, you know, yeah. 2023 20, or whatever 13. it is. Oh, they'll probably name it something besides Title yeah. 13. Title but this 14, is also, but no. This is also where the programs for like beginning farmers, um, veteran farmers, uh, oh, socially cool. disadvantaged, okay. so minority farmers. Um, you know those so like funding for them yeah programs for them to help them get started uh in farming um 
You know. So we could actually do a whole show on miscellaneous on, on the miscellaneous. You could if you broke it down. I think you would you would actually have enough to talk about just in Title Twelve alone. Yeah, that's actually really interesting to think about because what you just said. I, I mean, I'm thinking of multiple people and guests that are affected by Title Twelve. Yeah, right now. exactly. And Title Ten horticulture. And Title yeah. Ten horticulture. Yeah, a lot of the folks that you interact with probably would be affected, you know, primarily by those two. But essentially, the Farm Bill touches everybody, in, yeah. in one way or another. It, it does. touches every, every single person. citizen of this country. So, what should people do to to, to get educated, support the Farm Bill, mm-hmm. tell their legislators? Hey, do something about this. Right. Yeah, I think all of those things. Uh, this Listening to this podcast, of course, helps. Uh, you're getting a taste of, of what the Farm Bill contains. But I would also direct them to that uh, Farm Flavor website to learn more. Go to our website, either rmfu.org or nfu.org, which is our National Farmers Union site. But then also contacting their legislators in D.C. You know, contact your your congressman, uh, contact your senator, whether it's Gardner or Bennett. You know, Bennett's on the Ag Committee. He's been a real champion for agriculture okay. uh, in that uh, position. And that's locally in Colorado. But nationally, contact your... No, no, no. You want to you contact the national level folks because they're okay. the ones that are dealing with us. Okay. So you want to contact the, you know, the member of Congress that represents your district. You want to contact Senator Gardner and you want to contact Senator Bennett and, and say, hey... This is something that matters to me, and and find out what title of the farm bill you know affects you the most. Maybe it's the nutrition assistance title. Maybe True. it's the miscellaneous. Maybe it's that rural development because you want high speed internet in your community. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that. Up. I knew you'd like that. <laughs> I knew you would like that. So anytime I can drop high speed internet, uh, you know, making it culture, making it horticulture. <laughs> We're all battling, making it rain high speed internet. You know? But but we do. We we seriously need to get this done because the the current farm bill the 2014 farm bill expires at the end of this month okay so we're just of days, September 2018 yeah so September 30th 2018 it's done it expires and some of these programs have mandatory funding because they've been protected by previous legislation that says we will keep this funding even if the farm bill itself runs out other programs like some of these in the miscellaneous and and throughout here in horticulture and, horticulture, and all that yeah. they're discretionary funding so they're only within that five or six year period that the farm bill is enacted okay so when the farm bill goes away so does the funding for those programs and so it puts everything in limbo it just yeah. causes a lot of problems so it's horrible uh, from the meetings we had last week in dc we are pretty confident that they are not going to get this done by the 30th they're not going to come to any kind of agreement between the two versions the house and the senate so what they will have to do is they will have to extend it the current bill they'll have to do some type of an extension that will send it on you know whether it's 30 or 60 or 90 or 120 days into the future uh, so that there's that certainty and stability uh, that that farmers need and that people on you know, nutrition Everyone programs that wants need. To and, eat. Yeah, anybody that yeah. wants to eat. Um, yeah. Those those are the kinds of things that will have to happen. But I mentioned this earlier. There's also that looming government shutdown that will take place on September 30th if they don't have that. Yeah. So you know, you kind of can't do one without the other. 
And so if the government shuts down and we don't have a farm bill, you know, that's that's just going to make things even worse. It's just going to cause more And the trade problems. wars are and coming. And the trade I war mean, continues. We, we're going to see the farmers taken to the streets. Oh yeah. Driving the tractors into town saying, our, do something. Our pets' heads are falling off. You know, the, I mean, the you name it. It's... <laughs> oh, no. Uh, we'll have to cut that out. Uh, but, uh, now we won't. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's, it just adds more undue uncertainty certainty yeah. uh, on top of everything else and and we really don't need that nobody nobody wants that so so basically the the question is, or the ask is call your member of congress call your senator and say come together in a bipartisan fashion and get this done so that everybody can move forward and we can just take this off of our plate and and start to because farmers need to plan they they need that certainty that Absolutely. the farm bill brings them and if and they don't planning- have that for 2019 is happening or has already happened it's already begun yeah cover crops are going out yep fields are getting plowed to farmers are deciding you know because you know fall harvest is coming up so then they're going to be deciding okay do we plant wheat for the winter you know do we do or do we let this farmers don't stand out there in spring and say "Hmm, what should i do this year right you know because it's it's too late it's It's too too late late. at that point so you better go to town we know because we tried it a while back yeah so so, so uh, yeah, that's and the, don't be disappointed if you don't get to talk directly to your senator exactly. or, or representative. Talk to the person who answers the phone and tell them that what you was care about. Exactly what I told my folks when we went out to D.C. last week is we're not going to get lucky and get to meet with these you know reps and senators at every meeting. Now, thankfully, Senator Bennett took some time and and talked to us and uh, and a few others as well, but. But it's those staffers. And if they're doing their job, which they better, because otherwise they'll be looking for another one, yeah. um, they will be taking that information to their boss and saying, hey, the Farmers Union was in, or whatever organization was in, and this is what they'd like to see. Yeah. And break it down for them, which we, we try to do anyway, but even more so, because the, the staffer is really the filter. And you they're know, the ones they, writing the bill. They, yeah, they're the, they're the ones <laughs> doing mean, the heavy work. Yeah, and and they catch everything. You know, they're kind of the funnel. Yeah, and then there's a little filter down there at the bottom. And so whatever needs to go to the member that they they work for goes to them, and then they just kind of take the rest and and get rid of it. But but really, they are uh, the eyes and ears of the member of Congress or the member of the U.S. Senate. So talking to them is as important if not more important than talking to the member yeah they are the gatekeeper yeah they are so um nick if you could have one one statement that goes out to the entire world whether it's a and i say whether it's a text message whether it's Mm -hmm. a billboard i i don't know how something you read on the internet yeah (laughs) yeah very slowly if you're in the rural areas yeah um (laughs) But if, if there is a message that you can put out there. A what, personal motto. Yeah, anything. and it doesn't have to be farm-related. It can be any, you know, yeah, how you live. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say? I think it all comes back to education for me. Uh, you know, my mom was a teacher, and I know how important that was for her, not only as a, to, to teach children and to see what, you know, what they learn, but also to see them go forward, you know, moving on. And and we, if you're not learning, it's kind of like, you know, if you're not eating, well, you're not involved. Yeah. Uh, well, we all eat, so we're involved in agriculture, but you're, you're, you need to learn as well. 
every single day you need to do whatever you can to educate yourself on an issue. And, and that means pulling from different sources, looking at both sides of a situation. And, and I, I mentioned that being the base of our, our triangle, of our, of our organization, of our foundation. It's so key. You know, they, they thought of that, you know, 100 years ago when they started uh, Farmers Union, and it's still the same today, uh, that we have to educate ourselves mm-hmm. as a society. And if we don't, uh, ignorance takes over. Yeah. And, and I worry so much about that, especially right now with a lot of the, the fake news and the pushback of, you know, well, how, why am I supposed to believe that when there's this there? Well, you know, there's, there's so much information out mm-hmm. there right now. Uh, you've got to figure out a way to, to glean, you know, the, the best of the best, so to speak, out of it. That's great. But, but yeah. educate yourself, educate others uh, so that they know, um, because we, we can't afford to be ignorant on a lot of these issues. It's, it's just too, too important. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I agree. Nick, this has been awesome. This so. has been so informative and well, heck of an education. I'm yes. glad. I'm and glad. To our listeners, uh, thanks for sticking with us. We know that this was a longer podcast than normal, but I think we could have gone another two hours. Um, right. There's uh, so much information, and it's really important. And and I don't ask uh, our listeners this very much, but hey, share this with people. Get yeah. people educated yeah. on this. It's uh, it affects this is everyone. It if, yeah. If it doesn't affect you, I I, I think you're living under a rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not and, eating. Yeah, not eating. You <laughs> definitely don't have internet. That's right. Boom. That's one right. more. <laughs> one last one last hit on the internet. So. <laughs> So, yeah, again, Nick, thank you. This is mm-hmm. this has been awesome. And, uh, You're very yeah, welcome. Yeah, we thank RMFU for everything they're doing, yeah. too. It's great. They're, they're one of our, our big strategic partners on so many things that yes. we do. And thanks to our awesome producer, Truth and Legend, and Kate sitting here. And so uh, go thanks to, for tuning in. Yeah, yeah, go to edibleeconomy.com, listen to the podcast there, or from any... Um, any app you you listen to your podcast normally and subscribe like us and rate us and tell your family about the farm bill that's right (laughs) thanks for tuning in